What's your goal when you start a podcast? To stand out, right? With the growing number of podcasts out there, I mean, how can you achieve that? That's why I'm chatting with content strategist, Scott Murray, who has some really creative ways to make your podcast unique. Plus we chat about the first two minutes of your podcast and how that can actually make or break the number of listeners. So speaking of listening, let's take a listen. Howdy, welcome to the Leverage Your Podcast Show. I'm your host, Lindsay Phillips of smoothbusinesspodcasting.com. And my goal here is to help you leverage podcasting to skyrocket your visibility, authority, and business by sharing insider secrets from podcast industry experts who have created a successful business through podcasting. So let's find out how to stand out. Hey there, I'm happy to be joined today with Scott Murray, who's a content specialist. And of course, anyone that knows me knows I love content marketing and obviously using it as a podcast for content. And what I love about Scott is that he really focuses on being one level up. So how to make your podcast stand out so that you can get noticed and grow your audience. So thanks for uh, chatting with me, Scott. Sure. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. So I know you've been in the podcast world. You've spoken at a podcast movement. Um, and when it's, I mean, there are more podcasts nowadays, obviously it's trending, <laughs> but yeah. so you have to like do a little bit more, right. To, to stand out so that you do get a listener base that you do get business and grow your business from it. Um, can you share kind of some of the ways that a podcast can stand out or whether it's things that, you know, we should avoid when we're launching a podcast? Sure. Yeah. When I, I actually did a virtual session for podcast movement a few years ago and yeah, uh, between then and now, uh, the amount of podcasts entering the market is getting bigger and bigger every day, yes. which it's now harder and harder to stand out. But, you know, I think at the same time, there's still a lot of things that you can do to make a good first impression because oh, yeah. as, the, um, as there's more opportunities for people to make shows, you know, a lot of people are going to learn things the hard way. There's going to be different reasons for why people don't do certain things. Mm -hmm. So if you're wanting to make that first impression, um, that's, I think the most important thing, because if you've got people lining up more and more shows in their feed, now you have to make an impression on them probably in the first, you know, two to three, four minutes of, of a show before they decide, oh, not interested <laughs> or yeah, okay, I'll keep listening. And really it's become more and more important to make it a show. Um, you know, you gotta have, um, your elements in place, like, um, like an intro, an outro, your audio has to be good mm -hmm. and clear. Not only does it have to be good, but it, it needs to be level. Occasionally, you'll hear those podcasts where one person's this loud and the other yeah. person's this loud, and you don't want someone constantly uh, having to adjust their volume. Or there's this really high quality music open, and then and then when the person speaks, it's a completely different quality of audio. You know, I know. So uh, things like that, um, because now uh, there's a lot of um, equipment out there you can get on Amazon, almost packaged that isn't near as expensive as it used to be. No, it's, it doesn't you know, cost as nice. much as people, like you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars. Right, right. And that's the advantage of it becoming so much more mainstream. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to places like storyblocks.com and find music mm -hmm. uh, without having to worry about, okay, am I licensed to do this? Am I licensed no. to do that? 
doesn't count towards this. Uh, Fiverr is also a good place to get uh, voiceover. So you yeah. have a good voiceover. And I think it's important when you make that intro that it's not long. Um, you know, get, tell people up front what, what they're going to get. And then when you start, get to your content really, really fast or as soon as possible. Um, because I still hear podcasts that think, you know, well, let's just, you know, talk goofy like an uh, <laughs> opening of a radio show that you would hear mm -hmm. in the morning. And they're just talking about random stuff. Meanwhile, your listeners like, hey, I thought you were going to talk about this. And they're still right. waiting. And that comes from uh, planning a format that you stick to every single show and always have kind of a clock in your head that, you know, okay, is the listener getting value out of this? Is this going on too long? If it is, shift it and go into other places. So, you know, if you can script things out, great. If you can follow something uh, so you don't have to read, that's also uh, a good idea to follow a format. But there's, there's a lot of really good resources out there that'll help you put at least a quality show together. That's perfect. And you brought up a couple of things that I kind of want to deeper dive into. So when you say format, like, what do you mean? So when I say format, um, like, for example, when I decide to do a program, like I just launched a new podcast just here recently, nice. uh, and it's all focused on evolving communication and content marketing mm -hmm. and evolving communication uh, and leadership. They all kind of tie together. Uh, one usually impacts the other. So I already know going into this, right, that there's a few content marketing podcasts out there, <laughs> right? So I have to sit here and think, while I can't completely reinvent the wheel, how can I structure the show mm -hmm. to be different from some of the others? Where if I'm hitting that power listener that's already got several different content marketing shows, what are they going to get out of me other than maybe just that focus on communication? Right. So, um, I actually started my audio work in 2007 when I was hired at the Dallas Fort Worth NPR affiliate to completely redo everything on on-air fundraising. And I was actually not a big NPR listener, but I had a lot of success producing content there, fundraising content there. And the powerhouse program and the powerhouse voice for fundraising was Ira Glass. And I had never heard of Ira before. And I just loved how he came up with these ways to tell stories with a little bit of narration, with some music, and then it would cut to an interview. And he had a three-part story. And it was just a really unique way mm -hmm. of story. So I thought, I've always kind of wanted to incorporate that somehow into my show or into a show that I was doing. So that's what I've done with this one, as opposed to just jumping in and saying, welcome to the show. Um, and let them go through the intro and I set up the interview, I actually do a little opening narrative as, as kind of getting you in the frame of mind of what we're going to talk about that day. Yeah. With some music and some background and then a quick open, then right to the interview and then, then it's done. So that was my way of saying, okay, how's this going to flow every single show and what's right, going to be. Right. And I guess too, like, so you're not winging it every time and like loyal listeners, they know what to expect and yep. that people do enjoy repetition to some degree, obviously. And they like, you know, predictability as well. Um, and I mean, there's so many different formats out there, right? Like co-hosting interview, yep. one person riffing or like specific questions, do you have a favorite or do you find that any are better than others? No, I mean, I think you got to find what works for you and kind yeah. of what your audience likes. Um, 
I think to your point, one of the, there, there's a love of repetition, at least knowing what to expect. But sometimes if there's that unique element that makes them wonder, I wonder what they're going to do this time mm. can also play a huge role. In my case for the new show, it might be, I wonder what that opening thought is going to be. Um, one of my first big podcasts that grew, I mean, more than anything else, anything I'd ever done was the geek podcast. I know that's shocking based on the shirt and probably the stuff in the background, <laughs> even though it's blurred. Awesome. Um, but it was the same thing. It was in 2013 and it was the same thing, you know, granted podcasts weren't as popular as they are now, but they were beginning to gain traction and geek podcasts were, were definitely out there. So I started to think about, okay, what can I do? You know, we, we I had two other co-hosts. I knew we were going to talk about topics. Okay, what's special about that? What could I do? Mm. And I turned it into a part story, part conversation. I made it sound like the listener, as well as us, were uh, going to this big hall of justice type place called the Geek Assembly. And we were going to talk about what was happening in the geek world as an agenda. And we always had the story element at the beginning uh, of something that was happening. It could be an action sequence. It could be anything that was yeah. happening at the, at the uh, fortress. Um, and we had this animated, or we had this AI character, kind of like Jarvis from Iron Man called Ganon. He was called the Geek and Nerd News and Intel Network. Oh my God. Uh, had his own personality. <laughs> um, and so there was a story element. Then we would go into the hall to discuss the stories. And then it would close with a story element. And that at least gave, even though it was kind of cheesy, uh, we never took ourselves too seriously, yeah. but it allowed uh, our listeners who told us that it was fun to, to know, okay, how's it going to open this time? What's going to be the story? Yeah. This time? And we were still doing what geek podcasts do. We were talking about, you know, news and movie movies and things like that, yeah. but we had our own way of doing it. That's, that's really cool. I like that. And cause I would never have thought of that format in my head. And some people are so much more creative, you know, than I, that's really cool. Now I love the name though, like it's so simple, but it attracts your specific audience so quickly. Um, before, you know, we hit record, we were talking like branding and logo and yeah. I guess even the name, like how important is that in making sure that you do stand out? It's really important. Cause I'll tell you this in the early going, one of the mistakes I made, we called that uh, assembly of geeks was the name of that show. And we did have some people get confused as to what kind of geek we meant. Oh. Uh, because you have geeks that are into Doctor Strange and things like that. And then you have geeks that are into tech stuff. Right. So some people wondered, which one are we? And one way we probably could have helped. I mean, we had originally just had this big logo. Or one way we could have helped is just put some things maybe in the logo that made it a little more obvious. Right. Obviously, once you got to the description, it would tell you which geek it was. But when it came to when they'd search it and find it, they had to find out which geek we were talking about. Mm -hmm. But we were talking about podcast movement a second ago. Um, and I remember one of the first sessions I went to at podcast movement. Um, I think it was Michael Stelzner who had said, okay, look, <laughs> and then this was even a few years ago. If you have a $600 budget in your podcast budget to build your show, uh, spend 550 on the logo. That's oh, how wow. important the logo is, you know, um, because it has to be clear. It has to be obvious what it's about. It has to have a good title. And don't forget when you get it into iTunes, it's going to shrink it down to this. I big. know. And so make sure when you write the title that you can read it at, <laughs> at yes. that big. Um, and there's good, there's good services out there to help you with that. Um, the thing you got to be careful with is you got to make sure they're making you something original 
and not stealing things off of somebody else and giving right. it to you and calling it your your logo. But a logo is really, really important for for the branding and making sure that it's it's clear what you want to what you're trying to tell the audience you're about. I still yeah. see shows today with titles that if I looked at it on on its own, I wouldn't know what it was about unless I dug real deep. I know, or using acronyms and you're like, I don't even know what that means or yeah. And sometimes you try, it's hard, right? Cause you want to be creative and like fun, but if someone doesn't understand what the heck your podcast is about, they're not going to listen. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about. I mean, it's just like social media today. I mean, there's so much to look at so many things mm. wanting your attention. You got to do something to stand out. And if they're just scrolling through podcasts and just taking a glance here, glance there, you know, sometimes if it takes more than five, six seconds to figure out what you're about, people may just move on. So it's really important. Right. That's great advice. And before you were talking about like the intro and the outro and not to make it too long, what are some of the mistakes that, you know, for people that are listening out there that they can avoid so that they're, you know, getting off on the right foot when they do create their their intro uh well when they're creating the the intro it really is just you know tell people up front what it's about mm-hmm. um, and you know because i i still hear intros that sometimes have 35 seconds of music before you hear anything else oh i know they're going Come something on, happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the other thing that i think is really important in building the show is when you decide what that topic is um, let's say you've decided you, you, you really do need to come up with what your frequency is going to be and stick to that if you're serious yeah. about audience. So if you've decided it's going to be weekly or biweekly, um, make sure that you're coming up with a topic that is going to give you enough topics to discuss year after year after year after year, because I see podcasts that come up with a great idea. And it's apparent that after they covered everything they could think about to talk about in that topic, they're done in eight months and they think, oh crap, you know, we now should what? have something better. The other thing that probably stops people is um, expecting too much of an audience growth <laughs> uh, too soon. And thinking, yeah, it's going to expect explode in in a matter of days or weeks um but it can grow faster than expected but the key to that really is that commitment yeah absolutely and there's i mean this is a whole other conversation in regards to like how you're publishing it and where you're publishing it and where you're promoting it um will affect obviously your you know how many listeners you get um but like you said you you want to get off on the right foot have them understand what it is that you're you're doing with the logo and the branding and the intro and not you know what's the word uh where they don't want to they just don't care they just want to move on to something else they don't want to confuse them um do you have a favorite type of intro i mean i've heard ones that are like just music and then it goes into the interview or like a little quote beforehand, or like, there's so many different styles. Do you like, are there any that you like or don't like? There are some I don't like. I know it's easier to know uh, what you don't like. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, if we're talking about, you know, something that's clear, it's just about being clear yeah. as soon as you get play, because there's also these shows at times that uh, decide to just drop in without any context at all. Mm-hmm. drop in fun clips from the last show 
That's how they open with. And sometimes it doesn't even open with on the last time on this show, they just start playing clips and it's just these clips and you're wondering, okay, what's happening as the show started? Well, what is this? Did they make a mistake? And you may not know because you give up, you know, three or four minutes in the intro will start. Um, so I, I think the, the best type of intro is just clear that it's the introduction. It's clear it's taking you somewhere and you're not confused while you're waiting for it to play out. No, that's a good point. And for me, I think my pet peeve is when there it's too commercially at the beginning. Oh I've yeah. I've seen it where there's like the intro and then there's the commercial. I'm like, you're putting in a commercial. You haven't even started the, the chit chat yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they do say it's, if you're going to put commercials in or any type of advertisement, the beginning and end are one of the more ideal places, but still, you know, a lot of times it's best it, as with anything for that to be short, you know, um, as opposed to thinking that you've hit a radio station, because let's I not know. forget, I think one of the reasons why these got so popular, uh, even with talk radio is you don't have to worry about all the commercials. So if you open with four and a half minutes of commercials, then that's, you know, kind of tricky. And I even talked to, you know, businesses about this too, mm. because they want to brand it um, you know, you don't want to necessarily name it after your business or make it sound like you're doing it for your business's, you know, profits or purpose as much as it is providing value. And a lot of times the way around that is you can say this podcast is brought to you by, you know, whatever company's putting it out. And then it doesn't sound so much like a yeah. commercial and you can get straight to the content. That's a great tip. Um, and when it comes to like producing, and putting the whole podcast together, like, are there other mistakes that people make, you know, besides really long intros? Um, I, I'm a big fan of editing, <laughs> uh, meticulous editing. And I wrote a blog a few years ago about how editing, because usually when I even see editing promoted on uh, podcast groups or stuff, the, the context is always, I need someone to get rid of the ums and the us in my podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think really good podcast editing goes way beyond that. And in fact, I think you have to leave some of those us and ums in. Um, I remember when Amy Porterfield, who is a, you know, internationally known Facebook oh, yeah. expert, you know, launched her first podcast. And that was one of the first things she learned. She got so focused on uh, editing everything uh, and taking all those out, her listeners actually said, leave some of that in because otherwise it sounds too perfect. And we like the fact when people are talking normal and conversational and things like that. So what I end up doing in, in editing is I am going through every second of that thing and I am thinking about the listener the entire time. And sometimes just with anything, when you get in the flow of just conversation, let's say you're doing a show and it's two friends and you're talking about geek culture, like we were talking about a second ago, and you get into the ebb and flow of things and you're obviously going to make a joke because you're friends and you say something off the wall, or maybe you get off track for a few minutes. You got to listen for that because mm. that's going to happen in the natural flow of conversation, but the listener may not care. So you have to be willing to edit yourself. Right you know, cut things out, even if you make a joke and everybody thinks it's funny and you talk about, you know, hey, remember that time we did this and you're over here, get rid of all that, cut that stuff right. out, focus on keeping the conversation going as you move along. And then again, you know, normalizing uh, the audio so everybody's at the same level is mm -hmm. also really good, but just editing with the listener in mind, making the best use of their time. 
um, is a really good idea. You know, a common question people always are asking is what's the perfect length of a podcast yeah. episode? And typically the answer is there is no such thing. And that's true. Um, but I remember going back to podcast movement. I remember when Cliff Ravenscraft was there and he was talking about how, you know, this of course was before the pandemic, but there are some people going back to work. Uh, he said, you know, the average time spent one way on a commute is 30 minutes. Yeah. And that makes us 30 minutes back. So that's some context. Um, I also have a content um, marketing uh, book that talked about how when deciding this, you figure that the top business podcasts are averaging, I think, about 45 minutes an episode. Hmm. And there's a reason why TED Talks are as short as they are. I think they're, what, yeah. 25 minutes? Because they've already established that after that, people start to zone. Oh. So you might want to keep things kind of in that range. But at the same time, if the nice thing about podcasts is, you know, if you have that conversation, let's say it's an interview, and most of your interviews generally last like 25 minutes, but you've yeah. got somebody on who's just fascinating and it goes an extra 15 minutes. It's going to be fine because you know that your audience is going to get more out of that. You're not going to care that it went long. They aren't either. No, but it's and still if, not yeah. a bad idea to focus on that. I think so too. I had, um, you know, a new client and they're launching a new podcast and they got really hung up on like, what if it's 35 minutes? I'm like, like, don't cut your guest off. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're in the zone and it's interesting to you and you know, you've got good meat, that's really valuable to your listener. Like keep that going. But on the flip side, you know, d don't you beat a dead horse and like drag something on, but um, to me, I'm like, it's a guideline, right? Right. Yeah. It's a guideline and, uh, it's good to have it in your head, but again, mm. at the end of the day, you just want to provide value. And if that value goes a little longer than last week, yeah. it's perfectly okay. And it'll be okay with your listener too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, this has been a great conversation. Um, so what if, here's a question. So any podcasters that are currently producing, they've been doing it for a while, I find that podcasters are afraid to make change. So they're afraid to change the outro. They're afraid to change the format. What do you say to those people? It, they're like, oh, well, now it's too late for me now to make, you know, <laughs> to stand out. I would say two things. One of the really great pieces of advice that I got, uh, and I'll admit I got it late because <laughs> I found myself going, oh my gosh, that would have been so nice to know like two years ago. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, and that was when you decide to launch your podcast, it's not a bad idea to record, record those first five, six, seven episodes and don't release them. Because if you, you might find in those first few shows, there are changes you're going to make mm -hmm. that by the time you reach episode eight, it might sound like a completely different show. And you've made those changes without having to take your listener through all those things you're working through as you're rolling it out. Oh. And that happened to me. <laughs> that happened to me almost the exact way. Dang. And what was what was tough about it, actually, I made two big mistakes in the in my first podcast. I did that. I had this kind of wacky opening and, and <laughs> wacky format, but I had celebrity interviews in it too. And I managed to get one every single time. Nice. Um but I was always, I, I think part of my problem was I didn't think I was going to get those interviews right out of the gate because nobody was going to know who I was, but I was getting them. And that almost evolved my show into a 
interview show when that's not exactly what I thought would happen. Mm. And it was such a change from episode seven. I think it was episode seven uh, when I realized this, that I actually deleted my first six shows off off of iTunes and they had good interviews on them. But I was so self-conscious about how much better this seventh one was going to sound. Whereas had I just had those interviews and utilized them, took that stuff out and then uploaded them, it would have, it would have made um, a world of difference. Um, But I think it's perfectly okay to change your show and make changes and make improvements. Um, uh, A mentor of mine is Mark Schaefer. And Mark was saying the other day that he um, just made changes to his show and he, you know, how, how big Mark is on comp on content. And he said, we're always trying to improve and evolve our show. Um, I think the biggest change you want to avoid is having to change your title. And I've had that, I had that happen in that same show because that changes everything. So get that right. (laughs) I know. Been there. (laughs) Yeah. That's a tough change because people are wondering if it's the same show. And if it's not, then you got even bigger things to explain. But as far as optimizing and tweaking and improving things, no, by all means, keep learning, keep improving. Um, There's value to that. Yeah. I love it. And yeah, you get so much feedback along the way from other people or lessons learned, or this doesn't work for me, or it's not resonating or, you know, checking out your stats. I mean, it's just like any other marketing, right? Scott, it's like, you know, you, you kind of learn because your business is different. Your business changes, your audience changes. Um, Yeah. yeah. So don't be hard on yourself if you don't knock it out of the park right off the cuff. No, I mean, it, it, it can be a value to make, to make changes. And it also means that you're willing to find places to improve the show. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, as long as you're keeping up with that consistency, getting that show out and people are invested in it. Um, I mean, at some point in time, you're probably going to have a listenership big enough to where they'll give you feedback yeah. on, on that change or something they want you to change. And you definitely want to listen to that feedback because then you've evolved from an audience to a community. Ooh. I like that. I do love reading my clients um, reviews because I see them in the back end of their website. And for me, it's like knowing what elements or what style she has that resonates or even the topic. So it's like, Ooh, do more of this. (laughs) Um, So it is really valuable getting that feedback. It really is. And it should be important to you because, you know, that's really who we're supposedly making the content for is, (laughs) is that audience. And you know, if, if you are dedicated and that's why it's important to not get over obsessive, especially early on, on X, how many listeners I have, because if you focus on the ones you have, the rest will take care of itself. And some of the best stories I've heard at podcast movement are the ones where people talk about that day that they get the email from somebody, from a listener that says, you know, I was real, I was having a horrible day at work. Or I had had a rough weekend and I got on the subway or I got in my car and I turned on your show and it made me laugh or it took my mind off things. And it's just that that was just really important to me or how great it is that I can look forward to what you do every week when I go on my walk with my dog. Mm -hmm. I mean, you never know the amount of impact you might really be having on any one of your listeners, no matter how big the overall number is. I know that's so true. And it is hard not to get caught up in the whole stats and impact. 
And like for me, and honestly, like I was scared crapless when I launched mine. And then it wasn't until like, you know, 10 months, a year later where it started to gain traction or people are like, oh my God, you're everywhere. Or like, you know, I I started to get people coming to me. Can I be on your show? And I was like, me really? (laughs) And so it it was exciting, but it's a long-term game. And, but yeah, to even get like any feedback, you're just like, yay. Makes that's true good. yeah it really does and you know and i i keep we keep talking about podcast movement but it just shows you how much i learned there mm-hmm. and how when i had when i learned something somewhere i always like to give attribution to who i learn it from um you know they they talked about that sort of thing i remember when rob over at uh, at libsyn one time i don't know i think it was around the time i had done my was doing a a brand new show like in 2013 might have been assembly of geeks and i just i just wanted to know how we were doing we had started out we were pulling out about maybe 100 downloads per show and um i reached out to to rob and i said okay just for context what is how good is that compared to what you see right and he goes well let me show you and he sent me this report and apparently rob does this report every year i just hadn't seen it in the last couple years it'd be interesting to see what it is now i know but it was like Half the podcast, 50% of the podcast averaged about 158 downloads per show. And then when you start getting into the thousands, you start getting into the top 10%, Mm top 8%, top 5%. And that was really good context because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, we keep at this and we're at 200 downloads per show. We're already doing better than half the the podcast out there. And I came up to uh, Daniel Lewis, um, who is also a podcast expert at podcast movement. And I just asked him, I said, you know, if I want to double that number from 100 downloads per show, how long realistically, I know you can't say, well, this is how long it'll take you, but if I wanted to set it as a goal, we're going to double that number. Um, how long do you think would be a reasonable, you know, amount of time to set it as a goal? He goes, if you're at a hundred, he goes, set it for about a year. So I thought, okay, well, we'll, we'll go for it a year. Well, Eight months later, we were at 500 downloads an episode. Woo-hoo. So it can still, yeah, it can still happen a lot faster. But Sweet. that was because we stuck with it. Yeah, absolutely. Consistency pays off. It's like my favorite word. Yeah, it <laughs> does. It really does. And, and passion. it sets you off from the people. Yeah, and it sets you apart from the people who who don't stick with it. I know the amount of uh, podcasts that are launched and then bail and. It's large. And I think that's one of the reasons why sometimes people wait to decide if they're going to subscribe. They want to see who you are. Are you, yeah. are you, this is a good episode one, but are you going to be here every other week or every week? I'm going to find out first before I subscribe. True. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have given us some great tips for those that are already producing or about to launch, you know, how to start off right so that you do stand out. So I really appreciate your, your feedback and your wisdom. Welcome. Sure. Yeah, and how can people you. find you, get in touch with you? Uh, the best place to find me is um, scottmurrayonline.com. Perfect. Awesome. And so connect with Scott. He's a wealth of information and of course um, loves content. And so you're in my good books there. <laughs> oh, thanks. You are too. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you, Scott. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
And that is a wrap for this episode of the Leverage Your Podcast Show. What is your next step? Head to leverageyourpodcastshow.com to listen to more episodes to get more insider secrets. And if you are now itching to take advantage of the power of podcasting and launch your own podcast, be sure to grab my free launch guide at launchyourpodcastguide.com. We'll see you soon.